welcome to our series on underappreciated scientists in history. This week we are going to be talking about Madame Marie Curie. Yes, yeah, so you might be wondering why we're calling Marie Curie an underappreciated scientist. Right. She's pretty famous. She's definitely got name recognition. Calling her a household name would not be wrong. However, I would still argue that she is one of the most underappreciated scientists in history. All right, so today we're geeking out on Marie Curie. Yeah, so we're going to start with a did you know right off the top. Did you know that Marie Curie is the only person in history to win the Nobel Prize in two different scientific categories? I did not know that. That's pretty incredible. There have only been four people in history to win two different Nobel Prizes. In the same category? Well, two of them won it in the same scientific category. And then the third won it in chemistry and won a Nobel Peace Prize. Okay. Who was that? That was Linus Pauling. Okay. But that still remains that Marie Curie is the only person to win it in two different scientific categories. What did she win it in? She won one in chemistry uh-huh. and one in physics. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I think of her as like, oh, she was a pioneering woman in science, not as she was the most celebrated Nobel laureate of our time. Or she wasn't really in our time, though, right? She was She was born in the 1800s okay. and lived through the 1930s. Okay. So tell me about her life. Yeah, well, in addition to the Nobel Prizes in two different categories, she was also the first woman to ever win a Nobel Prize. And we can get into that story yeah, as I we go through. Yeah, I want to hear that story. But she was born in Poland. Mm -hmm. Both of her parents were teachers. And her father was really the person who got all of the kids involved in science. So throughout her training, she was really interested in math and physics. And during that time in history, Poland was in an interesting political relationship with Russia. And the Russian authorities, who kind of had influence over the Polish school system, didn't like that her father was involved in Polish independence politics. So they shut down all of his laboratories and basically fired him from his school. Oh, that's awful. But what that allowed him to do was take all of the laboratory equipment from the school and basically set up a laboratory in their house to continue to train his kids. How do you feel about that as a safety expert? We're going to go into a lot of things about this story <laughs> that are cringeworthy from a safety standpoint. But it worked out for her. No. No, it did not. So we're going to go into that. Okay. There's going to be a theme throughout this of, you know, Living interestingly on the wild done okay. research. So they had a home laboratory. Correct. Great. So she continued to love math and physics, and she wanted to pursue higher education in those topics problem from that cultural time period is that this was not a friendly environment for a woman. Oh, gosh. So none of the Polish universities would accept her, despite the fact that she was obviously very gifted and had this great background. So she had to go to France for training. So learn another language? Did she already know French? That's a good question. I don't know if she already knew French. Okay, but that does, I mean, learning any higher education, anything in another language is very impressive, let alone mastering it. So right. that's very cool. Yeah, so she moved to France and became a tutor and a governess 
to help pay for school, which she eventually enrolled in the University of Paris in 1891. At the University of Paris, her initial work focused on the magnetism of steel, which wasn't what eventually made her famous, but it did get her name recognition in the field, and she met Pierre Curie, who she eventually married, in 1894 at the University of Paris. So he was a scientist as well. He was also a scientist, really Mm -hmm. well-renowned in the field of physics, but she turned him down the first time. He proposed? He proposed. She turned down his first marriage proposal. Why? She just wanted to do her own thing. Yeah. She wanted to go back to Poland to study. This is my kind of woman right here. Yeah, but Krakow University would not allow her in because she was a woman. Ugh. I mean, we're still fighting this battle globally, though. Can I get on a soapbox for, like, 30 seconds? If you block women from education, and this is still a problem in so many countries and communities across the world, that preventing women from education robs us all, you know? So it's amazing to me as a woman to hear this story of, like, someone who existed in my grandmother. I think my my great-grandmother was alive when she was alive. That that's pretty recent in history. And today, in my world... I can't imagine not being allowed to go study science in college. I mean, I didn't do that, but I know many people who did as women. So we've come so far, but we also have so much work to do around the world to make education accessible to girls. Soapbox over. Please continue. Okay, so she tries to get into Krakow University, gets turned down. So she ends up going back to Paris and pursuing her PhD and eventually marries Pierre in 1895. He couldn't stay away. She was so smart. Right made his little heartstrings flutter. Yeah. Yeah. But that was actually a really cool thing for her because it opened up this really niche area of physics to her. And there was a lot going on in that scientific community at the time that she moved back to Paris. So What era what area? This is the Paris kind of scientific Oh, the community. So it wasn't what she was studying. It's like who she was able to hobnob with. Right. So through Pierre. In 1895, uh-huh. X-rays were discovered. Cool. By Rentgen, and then the radiation source of uranium was discovered in 1896. All the way back then, huh? By another guy called Becquerel. Okay. And these were colleagues of Pierre. So while. Marie was trying to figure out what to do for her physics thesis. She was like, I don't want to do magnetism of steel as my thesis, so I'm going to study these uranium salts. Salts? Yeah. So So uranium comes from the ground in a salt Uh form, and it emits radiation. Yeah. And that's what the fuel source for a lot of nuclear reactors are. Ah. But she wanted to study these. Okay. Well, I can can start to see where the safety issues are going to come in. Great. Because not a lot was known about radiation. Yeah. X-rays were just discovered a year before mm-hmm. and they knew that there was this really powerful energy source coming from uranium salts, but they didn't really understand what it was doing to people or yeah. cells or anything. So that's Wait, what Marie Curie was studying. Okay, so that's what she was saying. So she was studying uranium and, and X-rays together? What was she actually doing? Well, okay. So this is where her connection with Pierre becomes very important. Okay. Because in his research, he used a device, or he actually developed the device for measuring certain electrical charges. Mm -hmm. And she was able to use this very unique device that Pierre had created to study their uranium salts. Were they 
Wait, what did it have to do with electricity? And well, this is showing my ignorance. Yeah, so the energy produced from the uranium salts caused electrical currents on this device that she could then measure. Okay, so they had this thing called uranium. They didn't know what it did. They, did they know it was dangerous? Like, did they know what radioactivity did at all? They had no sense no clue. of the health effects okay. of the material that they were studying. But they were trying to figure it out, and so measuring the electric current that came off of it was helpful. So the genius of Marie Curie and the thing that really allowed her to advance the field was that she actually believed that the radiation was coming from the atom instead of the interaction between the molecules. When did we discover atoms? That wasn't much before her, right? From a philosophical standpoint, the idea of an atom as kind of the smallest base property of a material came from the ancient Greeks. So that was Democritus in somewhere around 400 BC. That's so impressive. So really old. Before microscopes, before anything, before... Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. But from an evidence standpoint, the earliest understanding of the atoms and how they work uh, didn't come until the early 1800s. Okay. And that study came from like ratios of different materials, and it's called stoichiometry now, but you know how there's always a whole number ratio in molecules. And that's because the atoms that make up those molecules are in certain proportions. So all of this is like the building blocks of modern chemistry, right? Like mix, right. mixing com chemical compounds and understanding what goes into a molecule and how to mix molecules. So uh, Marie Curie is working uh, Well, there's one more. Okay, there's one more. When she was working on all this, they hadn't discovered the nucleus yet. Okay. So that didn't come until 1909. So, so she did was they know about electrons? They knew about... A positive charge inside and a negative charge outside. Okay. But they didn't really know about the nucleus or protons, neutrons, or anything like that. Okay. And in radioactive materials, what is it that makes the thing radioactive? The emission of particles from the nucleus or waves from the nucleus. Okay. So she's just testing uranium and trying to figure out what the heck this stuff is with no concept of how dangerous it is. Right. What is she actually doing? Like, what did she discover or what did she... Yeah, so at this time of her research career, she wasn't working in an actual laboratory. She was literally working in a shed that used to be like the gross anatomy lab. Okay, what? Yeah, so it used to just be like a pseudo morgue, and it didn't have a lot of ventilation. Ew. And she was just working in like this shed, literally. With dead body parts? No. No, okay. They had gutted it, basically. Okay, okay, they cleaned it up. But they were using really highly radioactive material Oof. in just this non-ventilated environment. Can you imagine if, like, your neighbor was doing this, just, like, doing weird experiments in their shed? Yeah. I'd be very disturbed by this. Yeah, except back then they didn't know any better. Okay. Because they couldn't see it, they couldn't feel it, it was just happening. Okay. But what she did was she discovered two uranium-containing materials that had much higher activity than uranium alone. What? So she knew that pure uranium salt had a certain energy charge that it put on this device that Pierre had developed. Okay. But she also had two other 
uranium mineral components that had higher activity than pure uranium. How did they do that? How well, what was that about? It means that there's another atom in that material that has a higher radioactive activity than uranium. Okay, so she found some worse stuff than uranium domestic. Yeah, so okay. she found radium and polonium. Okay. And that is what she eventually won the Nobel Prize for chemistry. For her discovery in chemistry. Correct. And that wasn't until 1911. But she won the Nobel Prize in 1903 for helping Pierre and Becquerel with this radiation discovery stuff that she was doing with uranium salts. So wait, her first Nobel Prize was for helping Pierre and Becquerel. So... How did she help? What did she do? Well, she was doing all of this research with the uranium salts and kind of helping them with the study of the radiation component. And she put out something like 32 papers in like a four-year span. Holy Moses. Yeah, so very prolific, very wide range of research topics, including research with like tumor cells. So she was one of the first people to even try to look at how tumor cells were affected by this radiation source. So she would literally put tumors next to radium and saw that they would shrink, which was obviously the first indication that chemo radiation, okay. well, it's, it's radiation therapy. Oh, not chemo. But okay. also that it was probably hurting them also. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine finding yeah. that out in your own so, studies? Yeah. But through this whole time, 1903, she still doesn't have a lot of resources. She doesn't have a laboratory. She doesn't have a professorship. Her husband does. Pierre is a professor at University of Paris, but she's kind of just like doing her PhD thing and wow. not getting a whole bunch of recognition until they were going to give the Nobel Prize to Pierre and Becquerel without Brie on it. What? Yeah. Did they fight for her? So Pierre did. Pierre oh, insisted good job, Pierre. that, because obviously this was unprecedented, right? There had never previously been, been a, woman. a woman Nobel Prize. Hey, that's how to be an ally right there. So that's awesome. he advocated for her to be added, and she was. Nice. Nice. Well, I guess it's not even, I guess he wasn't even being an ally. He was just trying to give her, like, just credit. Like, like anyone should get credit. Like, right. he wasn't even, he was just trying to be honest. Like, yeah. she did the work, guys. Like, give her like the prize. She's been in this shed studying these uranium salts oh for my God. years now. Let's give her a little credit. Yeah. Now, Heck interestingly, yeah. you know, today, if you win a Nobel Prize, you're immediately just like renowned in the field and you can basically pick whatever professorship or whatever you want, right? Yeah. She still did not have any offers from any professorship type institutions. You can't see me right now, but I'm after, just rolling my eyes as hard as I possibly can. After winning a Nobel Prize. Ugh. So she won the Nobel Prize and then she basically went back to the shed. Oh, they didn't no. have a laboratory. Oh, they didn't have funding. Me. They had Pierre's professorship, but for the next three years, they were basically back to the shed. That is just dedication. I yeah. just can't even. Until Pierre died tragically after being struck by a horse-drawn carriage. Oh, that's sad. And then, even still, they were reluctant to give her the professorship, but they basically replaced his professorship with her. So literally the only reason why she became a professor at the University of Paris was because her husband died tragically. Oh, my God. That's... After all she had done for science. Oh, wow. I guess maybe they didn't want to, like, change the name on the door. They just... 
Professor Curie. Yeah. Goodness. Okay, well, I am glad we don't live in those times anymore, but let's continue the story. The story starts to get much better because okay, she good. starts getting funding. She, you know, is given a laboratory. She even founds this research institution later on that has a lot of funding for the more advanced study. She goes on to help with developing x-rays for mobile field units in World War I. Hmm. Really cool. Yeah. And in 1911, right before she wins her second Nobel Prize for chemistry, she developed an international standard for radioactivity emissions that we still use today. So it's called wow. the Curie. So wow. anytime you are measuring material, you're using one of two units. It's either a Curie or a Becquerel. Becquerel is kind of the metric standard equivalent, and then Curie is the more colloquial standard. She invented her own unit of measurement for super dangerous stuff. Right. Amazing. Now, tragically, she died from cancer at age 66. That almost was certainly caused by all of this research. Yeah. So, you know, you can't be in really high radioactivity environments for long time and actually the fact that she you know made it all the way to 66 is actually pretty good considering what she was working with i thought this story was going to a much earlier death direction so that's actually pretty impressive just what a persistent woman like what a hero that's amazing Uh, she she did so much to help better our lives you know so she increased understanding of reactivity she helped x-rays in the medical community. She was the first devices. one to really coin the phrase radioactivity. She, okay. She discovered radioactive elements. She worked on theories that were untested to develop more important theories. So they, what was her Nobel Prize in physics? The physics was the one that was shared with Pierre and Becquerel on okay. the radioactivity okay. piece. Radioactivity. And then the Nobel Prize in chemistry was for the discovery of radium and polonium and and polonium wow very cool so a lot of times i hear marie curie talked about as you know this was a woman in science like women can be in science too and it's kind of a she's kind of talked about in a tokenist sense but i think when we're if we're going to talk about her as an underappreciated scientist talk about her her marked achievements that really had nothing to do with her gender she was simply a dedicated passionate brilliant inventor and discoverer and developer of scientific methods and theories it's not this is not a token diversity hire this is this woman was brilliant and deserves to be celebrated as a human being and as a scientist yeah she came into the scientific community at a time of a lot of uncertainty and came up with a lot of novel concepts that hadn't been like radioactivity in it coming from the atom itself not just interactions with the molecules like she came up with a lot of hypotheses that proved true and she put her own body at risk to do it for the sake of her. For yeah, her she didn't know about the health consequences of what she was doing, but yeah, there was a lot of dedication there that ended up costing her in the long run. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad to know more about her life and to appreciate her even more. And next time I see an x-ray or see something radioactive, hopefully not in person, but if I hear about the radioactivity, I will think about Marie Curie and what she did for us. Yeah, hopefully this elevates her to kind of the top echelon of scientists in most people's minds. Because she is. She deserves it. She deserves it. Thanks for listening. See you next time on our Underappreciated Scientists in History series. We hope you have a great day. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. Music by Lemonfest. 
Logo and marketing by Cambridge Creative Group. Edited and produced by Corey and Mel. See you next time. <laughs>